This is another auxiliary episode, this time from the Singularity Lab, which interviewed me on October 28th, 2021. Michael Mataluni led the roundtable discussion, including Luis Jimenez and Rather Be Squidding on the Identified Celebrity Review, with the topics being consciousness, high-energy physics, and the technological singularity. The link to Michael's YouTube channel is in the description, and I recommend you visit and subscribe. His channel focuses on science, technology, futurism, and UAPs. All links are in the description, such as links to each guest's Twitter, as well as YouTube channel. If you'd like to hear more from the Toe Podcast, then do consider going to patreon.com slash kurtjaimungal, C-U-R-T-J-A-I-M-U-N-G-A-L, and supporting with a contribution of whatever you like, as the reason I'm able to do this full-time is solely because of the patrons and the sponsors' support. Thank you, and enjoy this supplementary episode with the Singularity Lab. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Singularity Lab, and we are live. Thank you so much for joining us today. It has been an eventful week, uh, and we're glad you're here for an amazing interview with an amazing person. But before we bring him in, uh, I want to introduce our co-host today, Kristen Madaluni. Kristen, how are you? Great. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, rather be squidding. Welcome, Rather. Hey, excited to be here. And Luis Jimenez, welcome, sir. Hello. <laughs> All right. Um, super. Well, I don't want to uh, waste any time here. We've got an amazing super chat from uh, John Brusso uh, for Kurt Jaimungle, who is joining us today. Uh, Kurt's an amazing dude, and I really appreciate him uh, coming on the show today. For those of you who don't know Kurt, he is a filmmaker and creator and host of Theories of Everything with Kurt Jaimungle, where he explores theories of everything, consciousness, free will, and God. While studying mathematical physics at the University of Toronto, he founded the University of Toronto Television, the largest showing, uh, growing show on campus. He began his film career at the age of 26, which focused on his first film on mental health issues. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Kurt Jaimungle. Kurt, how are you? I'm glad to be here. It's, it's great to have intro. you. <laughs> well, we really appreciate you joining us. And I know that uh, you have been very busy, uh, maybe not getting as much sleep as you would like. And I apologize for that, but I'm thrilled you were able to join us today. Yeah, so excuse me if I'm a bit wifty. I'm <laughs> operating on such a modicum of sleep that I just did. I just used my aura ring and checked my heart rate, and it's 100 as a baseline, Ooh, which wow. is extremely What's, high. Oh, okay. I don't see. I don't know anything about heart rates, uh, but I was. Well, gonna anyway, say, just excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I was going to say though that does sound like the life of a filmmaker. Well, it's the life of someone running the theories of everything podcast. That's for sure. Yeah, it's yeah, a lot. I haven't been. Um, let me let me ask you this. Uh, so John Brusso with a twenty five dollars super chat. And we're gonna get to uh, we're gonna get to some more questions here in a second. But uh, he says, Kurt, I love your show. If I may, please interview Brad Voorhees of Sonic Gravity. He is loved by this community. Has a uh, theory of everything he's trying to test with experiments. Is a veteran and has some fantastic insights on mental health. Uh, Brad is an amazing dude and a, an incredible supporter of the show. And uh, yeah, I think he'd make a great interview for you. It's called Sonic Gravity or Sonic what? Boom. Sonic Gravity. Sonic Gravity. Um, yeah, he's a. Uh, we'll we'll talk about that a, a little later. Sure, but for sure. for now, I wanted to kind of dig into this. Like, how did you go from you know mathematical physics uh, into film and television? What was that journey for you? When I was in university, I was doing some stand up comedy, and then as you are as a stand up comedian, you want to be more than just a 
comic. You want to be like Seinfeld. So you write scripts and you pitch them to networks. And my scripts were horrible, but I <laughs> was so egotistical. I didn't think so and thought they were wrong. I should make the script anyway. And I went into filmmaking because of that. And then I didn't ever leave physics and math in the sense that I applied that to my filmmaking. So I've always had that in me. There's this urge to find the what's called the theory of everything in physics since I was young. So I decided, why don't I go back to that during this pandemic? I'm extremely pleased with every day that I get to spend on it. Yeah. And you're doing some great work over there. Some phenomenal interviews. Um, what do you think about what are you thinking about when it comes to like kind of the current state of media? Uh, film and, you know, do you see that, that more independent folks like yourself are able to break into, into media now, or do you think it's harder? It's a difficult question. Because <laughs> <laughs> you were able to do it. As a, I mean, most of your films are independent, right? Yeah, all of them are. It's extremely difficult. I wouldn't advise anyone to do it. It's extreme. Even what you're doing is extremely difficult. All of you. <laughs> this, it's not easy. Firstly, it's not easy to have the social skills to talk to someone. It's not easy to put yourself on camera. It's not easy to get a hundred subscribers, let alone your first thousand, let alone double that. And then to have a team of people where you agree to come on at the same time. None of this is easy. It's not. Like, so that's logistics. And then let alone being successful at it. Don't know what people, <laughs> how people live their lives because then, well, what do you do? Do you then just work for a company like Facebook or you mean Meta? Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. And that's making me, I'm going to be a part of this deleting Facebook. I'm seriously considering it. I don't have many views, so don't ask me about Meta now. We can get Meta, <laughs> but not about Meta. Probably I'm going to be deleting Facebook soon. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty wild. And, you know, even like we, we were just experiencing this, you know, via Twitter as well. It's just, there can be so many uh, pileups, you know, people miscon misunderstandings, uh, people misconstruing what you're saying. And it's, it's a real challenge in this day and age with social media, um, in general, uh, you know, e and each platform has its, has its own issues. Um, so talk to us about, you know, what, fascinates you about theories of everything or maybe maybe give a quick background for folks who don't understand what a theory of everything is and then maybe what what your thoughts are on it yes you'll hear in popular media or in popular science that there's quantum mechanics and then there's einstein's theory and then there's the difficulty in combining them well technically it's quantum field theory not quantum mechanics so you want to combine general relativity with quantum field theory and that's called a theory of there's some disputes there because you can just call that a grand unified theory. And then if there are more fundamental forces, then you can call that the theory of everything. But essentially, if one takes the reductionist view that laws exist and they predict what happens at, the, at our level, then what are those fundamental laws? That's called the theory of everything. There are two main academic competitors, string and loop. I'm sure people have heard of that, string theory and loop, quantum gravity. And well, I'm interested in a more expansive view of what constitutes a theory of everything. For example, perhaps reductionism is not correct. Perhaps conceiving of the world as fundamental laws isn't correct. Perhaps consciousness has a role to play. Perhaps aliens, by the way, have a role to play. Perhaps God has a role to play. Perhaps there is no God. There's so many avenues that this can go down. I give a word, Veltan Shaung, which we can talk about later. So I consider that to be the more psychological version of a theory of everything. Yeah, you you brought that up in one of your uh, AMAs. Um, what is it? Veltan uh, Shaung. So it literally, Shaung means perspective or vantage point, and Veltan means world. 
So worldview is actually what it translates to. But the way that I'm using it is an all-encompassing worldview. So for example, do you know who Ian McGilchrist is? Or Jordan Peterson? You know who Jordan Peterson is? I do. Yes. Okay. So if you were to ask Jordan Peterson, why is this pen red? He'd say, because of the Oedipal mother. And, the, and he'll have a whole theory that ties into Jungian. He can contextualize virtually any fact. He can slot it in. If you have a worldview... So firstly, most people don't have, I certainly don't have a way of slotting in any fact. Second, I don't see the connections between those facts. Third, I, I don't have a metaphysic. And fourth, my model of reality doesn't comport with how I act. Now, if you have all four, I'd say you, you have a Weltanschauung. And so, and this is fascinating because I love this. And I'm, I'm one of the things that I'm, I'm really interested in, in academia. I think one of the biggest problems that I see in academia um is the dramatic over specialization which is fine but there's really not any sort of context in between departments and fields and so when you know when i started thinking about a theory of everything before i actually knew what that meant i always thought about human knowledge and our inability to contextualize human knowledge across multiple disciplines um is this sort is this something that you think would be valuable in academia and does that relate to your um your sort of uh yearning to have your own Weltanschauung? yeah yeah right it's like they can't communicate with one another i mean they can but it's difficult so it's like what we need is a rosetta stone like an intellectual Rosetta Stone, mm. let's say, or a philosophical Rosetta Stone. Right. The problem is that as soon as one starts constructing one, the time that's spent constructing one, the fields would have moved and you would need to incorporate more. So it's one of the reasons why I don't think it's a terrible idea to be a jack of all trades and a master of none. It's one of the reasons I emphasize exploring so much on the channel, peregrinations or escapades, like just walking about. The reason why I do that is because for me to get caught up in the weeds, I wouldn't then be able to see the... Right now, I'm lucky enough that I can explore some field, and then it's getting quicker and quicker. The, the amount of time that it takes for me to grasp a new field is getting smaller and smaller because I'm exploring at a high level. I'm getting an overview. And right. You don't see this. Most people don't see this when they, perhaps, Michael, when you watch the channel. Like, it looks like I'm persnickety and punctilious to, like, the nth degree. And there's a reason for that. I believe that when you're precise, that breeds truth. Or more specifically, it, it shows what's false. So there's a reason why I do that on air, but off air, it's much more exploratory. Perhaps what I'm doing is creating my own unconscious Rosetta Stone. And at some point, maybe I'll make it explicit. I'm wondering, this is, I, I love hearing you talk about this. Um, I'm wondering if this is something that can be resolved by um, an AI in the future, right? So now we, we specifically have very good narrow AI um, we're not at AGI, but there, you know, there's a potential for us to get to super AI. And I wonder if that would be the Rosetta Stone or if that would be the place to try to attempt to create that sort of Rosetta Stone. A super AI as in artificial general intelligence or what? Artificial super intelligence. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe. It sounds, well, <laughs> if there's something that's extremely intelligent, I don't see why it can't create a Rosetta Stone. You make such a good I just point don't know about... If it's possible. Right. I mean, you make such a good point about how the fields are constantly evolving. So for a human to do it, it seems a nearly impossible task. But yeah, perhaps yeah. with good AI, that it would be something that is is a is a potential future. With a for us. Link, maybe. Yeah, well, it's all possible. 
anytime someone says, "Is this? Could it be so and so?" Yes, it could be. Almost anything is possible. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, you, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, do, do you think that this actually, you know, there is a theory of everything? Do you think that's within our capability to understand? You know, I kind of think about things like. It kind of seems like if you look at the universe and the metaphysics of everything, you either have to accept that something, you know, lasted forever or that something existed for all eternity, both of which seem kind of incomprehensible to me. So I'm yeah, just curious, you think that we can actually understand a theory of everything if there is one? It's 42, rather. It's 42. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But OK, well. Who knows, man? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> well, like there are great reasons. There's some reasons to believe we can't. Now, some people think, I'm sure you've heard of Gödel's incompleteness theorems. One of them applies, may apply to physics. Some people argue that. I don't see why it does. But it doesn't matter. We're making some progress or we we're hope we're making some progress. And hmm. are there any scientists you think are on the right path? Or like in your opinion, from what you've studied, do you think that, I mean, what are you finding with the people you interview? Do you think, I mean, it's so hard, right? Cause you have so many different perspectives, people coming at this from different angles. It's so difficult to like, yeah. you know. Okay. Does anyone here play video games? Uh, I do. Not much. Okay. So, you know, the standard open world Ubisoft game now where you climb a tower and then you unlock some part of the map. Okay. That's what it feels like studying toes except that the map is so vast that what I unlock, I don't see the next tower. So I'm unlocking perimeters around where the tower is, but I don't see the connection between them because, well. There's, there's no map button. <laughs> yeah, there's right. no map so, button, essentially. So, it, well, it's just extremely difficult. I'm, I'm in the, pro I see vague connections. I just can't articulate them. And so in order for me to compare, I need to see the connections. Right. Good, if, if yeah, if you are able to you know unlock all the secrets of a particular field like you know physics or religion and just you know just one, what would you have a uh, a preference? Which which one would you choose? Ooh, that's a great question, man. <laughs> <laughs> could be the same answer. I mean, it could lead to the same yeah, that, answer. Um, that's a great answer, man. See. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ian McGilchrist, let's talk about that. But what he was saying, no, what he wasn't saying, I was going to bring this up to him, so I was getting confused there, is that some people think that reality is fractal-like and that the more you zoom in, the more you reflect the whole. And if that's the case, then we can explore any field to its ultimate conclusion and get an answer to all the rest of the fields. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> so that's one reason why someone who is traditionally religious, let's say in the Catholic Church, just a straw man, if the straw man of the Catholic Church, or let's say the Westboro Baptist Church, they'd be like, why are you studying mathematics? Well, Cantor believes studying mathematics is studying the mind of God, that if you study any phenomenon seriously, God in some sense can be synonymous with reality. So if you're studying any part of reality, you're studying God. Mm, to the fractal level. And so maybe understanding the microcosm, you can understand the macro. Yeah, yeah. It might be circular and that you realize that what was micro was macro from one perspective. And vice versa. I don't know. I'm just <laughs> well. I know, and it, but it's interesting. And like, I, I always think about like you have these um, huge particle colliders, right? It's like 
It's so funny because you you think of um you you think of the search for, for you know in physics and then you're going either it's either you know we use mathematics and and we try to understand the theoretical or we just smash atoms together like those are the two options and it's like it's really interesting because when you are smashing this it's like we can't we are constantly trying to get to the root like the god particle and every time we try every time we get a little closer it just looks like it just fractals again and it's like is that can we understand the macro by understanding the micro when it always it seems like trying to catch smoke this is a question about reality and i would say science makes no claims about reality technically science is a method and if so technically a scientist shouldn't say that so-and-so is real they should be an instrumentalist and say what happens when i do this this is the outcome. So when you're saying that we're trying to get closer and we can't, you're implying that there's a reality behind this. And by the way, I happen to agree there's a reality behind this, though there may not be, but I happen to agree. By the way, about particle smashing, it doesn't, it may not be that that's the physics future mm. because people like Carlo Rovelli would say with quantum gravity, there are experiments we can conduct right now that don't involve particles smashing into one another, keeping a particle in a superposition and then seeing if it's influenced by a gravitational field. And that seems to be doable within a year or two years. In the foreseeable future, it's doable. And it doesn't wow. involve an accelerator. The future of physics may not be. Smashing creating particles. larger and larger accelerators may just be a, a relic of the past. Wow. Maybe. Maybe we'll see. It's easy. It's the easy method. Right. <laughs> smash. Well, it, particle yeah, smash. Coming at it from the other angle now, like like a constructor theorem and Wolfram, like being able to try to create physics from the ground up. Uh, yeah. Do you, do you have any hope for things like those? Well, constructor theory, I haven't had a chance to look into. I'm excited to read about it because it deals with information theory, and I don't know much about that. So I'm looking forward to that. As for Wolfram's theory, you happen to like Wolfram's theory, but don't take me liking it as an endorsement <laughs> of it reflecting reality. <laughs> What, what is Wolfram's theory? I'm not familiar with that. Wolfram's theory would say that what exists is just space or something that's like space. And you can think of them as points in a generalization of a graph. So a graph is what you think of as a node. Anytime you've seen the internet and you see points and then lines between them, that's a graph. Then you can have a directed graph. And then you can have a hyper. So a directed graph is arrows on those graphs. It's actually all, most of mathematics is extremely simple. Once you understand it, it gets jargony and it sounds complicated, and then as soon as you understand well, it, as soon as you understand it, you just see that it's it's obvious from one perspective. Either way, so some generalization of a graph with rules of updating it. So, for example, what if the universe starts with? Okay, I don't know if I can do this, but let's say we have a ball, and then we have. So I can't do it. <laughs> Were you, were you about to do magic for us, Kurt? <laughs> he was about to create the universe. I felt like it. Uh, there's a $5 super chat question here from uh, Brian McDonald. Uh, hi, Kurt and SLO and UCR crew. Question in uh, Theory of Everything Journey. Have you found a theory which quantifies consciousness as a force which can be measured? Not as a force, but quantifying consciousness is what the integrated information theory does by Tononi. So you can look that up. I believe he calls it... P-H-I. Mm. Making a note of that. Uh, <laughs> uh, Aaron Desario asked with a $50 tuber chat. Thank you so much, Aaron. Love, right. love to sorry. Kurt. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry ahead. to interrupt. I just no? want to quickly add to that before I forget. Anesthetologists. I can't pronounce that word. People who anesthetize. Wait, wait a second. There's a word you can't pronounce. <laughs> I don't believe this, Kurt. <laughs> right. 
anesthesiologists, <laughs> however you say it, okay, they <laughs> quantify consciousness all the time. There's a coma scale. So how unconscious are you to conscious? And you need to, it seems obvious because when you go to the hospital, you want to assess someone's level of, I was going to say cognition, but it's consciousness. Right. How conscious they are. Uh, Aaron asks, love to Kurt. So amazing what's happened in the last year and so much more to come. What does your Rosetta Stone hint is going, uh, sorry, what does your Rosetta Stone hint is going on with the woo part of UFOs? I'm frustrated that it seems that the fucking new agers were right all along. <laughs> Aaron. I, I guess the well, question Aaron is, is, do you see, do you see consciousness as being a, 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 a hypothesis we should pursue when it comes to UFOs? When people say that there's a connection between UFOs and consciousness, I get the feeling that what they mean is fairly elementary. They mean that UFOs can influence our consciousness and that perhaps meditating or some altered states of consciousness can communicate with them. I think it may be more complex than that. It may be, I gave this analogy somewhere. It may be that like we look at slugs right now in the physical world as shambling and inefficient and we're like, we're adept. We have fingers and we can create. It may be that aliens look at us like that in the realm of consciousness. So we look at slugs like that in the realm of spatial dimension and aliens may look at us if one can make an analogy here between dimensions and, and say that consciousness has dimensions to it then maybe it's that we're so we're not adroit and they are and they look at us as these imprecise little weaklings maybe they dislike us I'm, i don't know i don't think they have scorn i think they do actually <laughs> I, I think they would uh they, or, or we maybe have i imagine would the... be a subset of what they have so right whatever we have they would have I'm right. In. So we don't have the ability to consciously communicate with a slug um, would, but maybe they, it's, you know, potential that they could, I don't know. I mean, we, could, th we this is a rabbit hole. We could. Oh <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, I, I, I guess yeah, I, I, love that. <laughs> I love that analogy of, of the slug. And I guess kind of my question is, would you, when you make that analogy, do you kind of uh, picture us like a slug in a astral plane, you know, something kind of completely yes. orthogonal to to it? Or, or what, what do you think about the possibility that maybe it's uh, like there's a quantumly entangled networks in our brains and that, you know, where they're somehow manipulating known physics to achieve a result like they are known physics. we're seeing? Yeah, right. or are known yeah, I don't, oh, okay. I don't think so. I think they are operating on, when I say new physics, I think I was excoriated by some people in the comments because it's strange. You can't say new physics. You can just, it's presumptuous to think that we have the physics. It just means that our model is incomplete and they have a more complete model. And right. that's what I mean when I say new physics. By the way, that Aaron person mentioned, he demonstrated some quality that I don't, I don't think, man, the UFO community, a big, a large test is going to come. So let's imagine the UFO phenomenon proves to be real in some manner, proves to be real, or at least I don't like the word proof, but you understand. Yeah. I don't think the UFO community is going to get any credit for being the augers of this. I don't think augers get credit. Nietzsche didn't get credit for much of what he predicted. I think same with Bigfoot. If Bigfoot turns out to be real, you're not going to have people like Neil deGrasse Tyson saying, oh, I'm so sorry. There were tens of thousands of people who had experiences and now I'm recognizing you. You're not going to get that. They're going to, in fact, perhaps even double down and say, actually, me as a skeptic, I was correct because there wasn't enough evidence. It was you all that jumped the gun. Right. Well, I have a feeling that that's one of the hardest tests that's going to come to the UFO community. You're not going to get the credit and they're going to continue to be sneering and contumelious and supercilious. And it's not going to be the warm welcome that we tend to think. 
So I gotta do it too. You, uh, okay. You're basically saying that we're Jodie Foster in Contact. <laughs> I never watched the movie. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes, sure. Uh, basically, Jodie Foster makes the 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 discovery of this signal that Earth is getting from an extraterrestrial intelligence, and she's been the one who's been sort of um, advocating for this through SETI. And then, of course, as uh, she this turns out to be true, this this new paradigm. The Neil deGrasse Tyson of the science world comes in and is like, whoop, I got this. Thank you very ah, much. Picks up yeah. the torch and sort of uh, says science was here and we've been here That's all along. And I predict that. Yeah. Um, what the Sam Harris, I thought, did a good job recently when he tur- when he changed his mind about UFOs. And he said that I need to apologize to every experiencer I've ever made fun of. I saw um, him on the Lex program referring to or referencing that he had someone contact him and tell him that these were real phenomenon. That's all. I didn't hear then. That's exactly what I heard too. Yeah. And Uh, then he went on to say some other things and, and he's gone radio silent on that since uh, I think that was like six months ago and he's gone radio silent. Um, Mm -hmm. Oh, here's Sonic gravity. This is the dude we were telling you about earlier. Um, He says, I peed my pants when you said Rosetta stone. I think the Rosetta stone is that we exist as energy on the surface of a black hole a 2D hologram encoding a 3D universe. When you have the physical model, everything fits perfectly. I'm losing it. Okay, cool. <laughs> I need to look into that. I'll send I'm, you. I'm uh, use... I'll send you uh, some links to his stuff. You'll you'll really enjoy it. Okay. Um, man, great great conversation. Uh, again, what? really appreciate you being here, Kurt. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah, no problem. I, uh, I wonder, but, are you uh, inundated? Like, do you get people giving you um, theories yes. of everything that they want you to research all the time? Profusely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, so Is that I why you're up that. I actually welcome it. No, 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 no. I welcome it. I even have a special email address dedicated to people who would like to send me their theory of everything. Ooh, I'll get you that. I'll get uh, I'll I'll get that and get it over to Sonic Gravity so he can send you his. And then he just put another ten dollars super chat. You can prove the UFO quantum echo hypothesis if anyone takes a spectrometer reading of a glowing tic tac at night, and the spectrometer reading matches the special composition of daylight. Interesting. The spectral composition. <laughs> all right, all right, um, fantastic. Uh, so one of the things that you study is high energy physics. You have a particular interest in, in high energy physics. Can you can it share what that is? Yeah, what the general public thinks of as theoretical physics is high energy physics. Ah, okay. Theoretical physics is much larger than that, but ju- what because there's condensed matter physics and so on. But what you think of as particles accelerating and so on, that's high energy physics. And when one says one wants to unify gravity with quantum mechanics, you have to have high energy physics. Why? Because hear that sound? That's the sweet sound of success with Shopify. Shopify is the all-encompassing commerce platform that's with you from the first flicker of an idea to the moment you realize you're running a global enterprise. Whether it's handcrafted jewelry or high-tech gadgets, Shopify supports you at every point of sale, both online and in person. They streamline the process with the internet's best converting checkout, making it 36% more effective than other leading platforms. There's also something called Shopify Magic, your AI-powered assistant that's like an all-star team member working tirelessly behind the scenes. What I find fascinating about Shopify is how it scales with your ambition. No matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. 
Join the ranks of businesses in 175 countries that have made Shopify the backbone of their commerce. Shopify, by the way, powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States, including huge names like Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen. If you ever need help, their award-winning support is like having a mentor that's just a click away. Now, are you ready to start your own success story? Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theories, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theories now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash theories. Razor blades are like diving boards. The longer the board, the more the wobble, the more the wobble, the more nicks, cuts, scrapes. A bad shave isn't a blade problem, it's an extension problem. Henson is a family-owned aerospace parts manufacturer that's made parts for the International Space Station and the Mars rover. Now they're bringing that precision engineering to your shaving experience. By using aerospace-grade CNC machines, Henson makes razors that extend less than the thickness of a human hair. The razor also has built-in channels that evacuates hair and cream, which make clogging virtually impossible. Henson Shaving wants to produce the best razors, not the best razor business. So that means no plastics, no subscriptions, no proprietary blades, and no planned obsolescence. It's also extremely affordable. The Henson Razor works with the standard dual-edge blades that give you that old-school shave with the benefits of this new-school tech. It's time to say no to subscriptions and yes to a razor that'll last you a lifetime. Visit hensonshaving.com everything. If you use that code, you'll get two years worth of blades for free. Just make sure to add them to the cart. Plus 100 free blades when you head to H-E-N-S-O-N-S-H-A-V-I-N-G dot com slash everything and use the code everything. At the low energy limit, it's been achieved already. There's linearized gravity. Most people don't know that. They just parrot what they've heard on Quantum Magazine and many other places that general relativity and quantum mechanics are incompatible and so on. You can you can combine them in a low energy limit. As for the high energy, that's where there are divergences and many other issues that it's not clear if it's that we need a whole shift in how we think about it or if it's just some mathematical sophistication that we need. Like we just, we're simply not clever enough, but yeah, it's not clear. Right. Um, you, I think you launched your show, um, and, and maybe that you, you weren't even, you weren't even intending to launch your show, but you, you did an interview for your film. Um, I believe it was, I, I can't remember which one it was. I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to mistake this one. Yeah. You interviewed Noam Chomsky, which, which film was mm-hmm. that for? Better left unsaid. Better left unsaid. Right. And what was kind of having a conversation with him? Cause you, you were really looking into, and I know like you've, you've made this point before that you're not, you know, you're not anti-left or anti-right. You're, you're, you're just looking at the radical left in this particular um, documentary or film, I should say, what, um, what was his interpretation of that? Like, what did you walk away from that conversation with? Firstly, that was, Wow, man, to speak to Chomsky. And I have now I've spoken to Chomsky a couple of times and I can email him and he responds. I never thought that. <laughs> That's amazing. I never, if you're in academia, even if you're not in cognitive science or linguistics, you know Chomsky, a household name. Even people who didn't go to university know, know Chomsky. So that was. Even if people um, who don't know who he is have heard his name. <laughs> yeah. So I, I emailed him. He said yes. And I, much like I am now, I was nervous. 
I'm still nervous in case it doesn't come across. It like never that. goes away, huh? Man, I would have died to see your stand-up comedy if you're nervous for us. Well, I'm also just nervous because my heart is is racing uh, uh, because of the sleep. Well, I okay. thought for a second there. I thought for a second there. I made you nervous, so I was blushing. But it's it's just you're not you're not getting well, enough sleep. Well, I still love to see your stand up, though. I don't. <laughs> I I definitely had a fear of going on stage. I didn't do what I don't know if you know Mitch Hedberg. He put on sunglasses so he can see the audience. Oh my God, I love Mitch Hedberg. I know Mitch Hedberg was a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful comedian, man. Yeah. Well, I would shake my leg right on like on stage and so absolutely nervous i was horrible anyway you wouldn't want to see it louis unless you want to have something to make fun of me about it wasn't a pleasant pleasant experience yeah either way so i spoke to chomsky and he was late by a few hours <laughs> and i remember thinking telling my friend who was in that video too saying like okay we're gonna go home if he comes now he might we weren't sure which time zone he was so i don't think he was late but he didn't specify the time zone and he ended up showing up and then we were just, uh, I said, Peter, Peter, he was far away. Peter, come, he's here. Chomsky's on, Chomsky's on, Chomsky. Came, so, oh, oh, sir. So it's the first video on the channel, the Theories of Everything channel. But there were other interviews on that channel that I just removed. They were horrible. Even that interview is horrible, but it went viral, so I kept it. <laughs> well, it can't be horrible if it went viral, Kurt. Well, well that's what goes viral, man. Oh, no. I, I so mean, every, every I, 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 Look at these Jordan Peterson lobster heads talking to Chomsky. <laughs> <laughs> so you see, I take that as a compliment and run. called an alt-light. Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. Well, yeah, no, we've learned in the last few days the internet is it's got no chill. Yeah. There's no chill button on the internet. No, there is no yeah. chill button, that's for sure. So what did you, uh, anything specific you walked away with after that interview? Yeah, that the left apparently can do no wrong in Chomsky's eyes. Really? That anything that is wrong is with the right. Because he just defines the left as that which is good, something like that. And it seems like anyone who's on a political side tends to do that. Right. You kind of put blinders on. Go ahead, Rather. Well, Rather's I, I jumping the bit. He's like, I want to <laughs> ask her the question. Well, I love Noam Chomsky and like the, the linguistic history there, I think is, you know, amazing. And it kind of reminds me of the movie Arrival and their take on alien languages. And that just kind of blew my mind. And I guess I was kind of wondering, like, when you talk to people like Norm Chomsky, do you bring up the UFO topic much or, or aliens or kind of how do you? Mm, I did twice. <clears throat> so wow, I, I asked gotta... him about alien languages. Now, someone who did a better job was Brian Keating. And if people want, they can search Brian Keating's interview with Chomsky talking about alien languages. I was more interested in, I don't recall now, but it was regarding alien <laughs> languages as well, whether or not they're real, whether or not they would, I don't recall specifically, mm. but I spoke to him about that a couple of times. Do you, do you think they'd be similar to our languages or do you think they'd be completely different? No, I, no, I don't know. I can see it both ways. Yeah, it's a hard, hard question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's tough, man. So, Kurt, what do you think about alien languages? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Could you translate I use this for a me? W. <laughs> do, are W's pronounced Krista, as how are we V's? able to hear you? It says that you're muted. Oh, that's because we're on the same mic system, right? Ah, we're in the same room. Okay. <laughs> um, well, it, it's funny, though, yeah. because in Star Wars... This was really interesting, and it's sort of why everybody freaked out about The Last Jedi. But in Star Wars, there's no written history. There's no – it is It is as if the Empire is almost erases the history mm. as it's being made. 
Um, and so now you get these books in the in the Last Jedi, and it's like the only text that you've ever seen hard mm. physical copies of literature mm -hmm. uh, in that world. Other than that, you don't see paper leaflets, you don't see posters, you don't see any of those things that that uh, connote a language uh, other than in that. on like a computer screen mm. or something. So I don't even know if. You know, is consciousness a language? Could it be? It seems like we speak and then it gets perceived. So then it's like the speech is this information that gets picked up and then it gets translated to qualia. So that's the consciousness. I don't see why one can go from qualia to qualia right, and mm. eliminate the in-between information. I don't. That's technically called telepathy. I don't see why that is in principle impossible. Or to even technologic. I mean, it's potentially technologically right. viable, right? Neuralink and, and things. Well, I mean, the, right. the native culture, they, they're specifically oral Native Americans, and there are very, very few Native Americans who have actually written about their culture, which might make sense because they might think that if they can't transfer the knowledge through language, then it won't be interpreted correctly. Or through sto it's story versus, versus nonfiction, though, right? Because they are using language but it's it's in story form. From oftentimes. what I understand, obviously, right. we are not Native American <laughs> scholars here. Please forgive us. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts, Kurt? Yeah, I'm curious if see some people on the eastern side would say that what we're doing with our language is purely limiting. So what I'm wondering, there's this quote by T.S. Eliot. It's a wonderful quote, and at the end of all our exploring, will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. I'm wondering if that's what Toe will be. If at the end of Toe. It will be that I shut up because I realize that speaking about it diminishes. It's desecrating something sacred that I'm actually doing more harm than good. There's another uh, anyway, quote that is, just... uh, he who speaks does not know, he who knows does not speak. Um, and I had a buddy when I hiked the Appalachian Trail and he was he was on a vow of silence. And he told me, he who knows, like right before, I was like, you're fucking bullshit, bro. You just said that. You just told me. <laughs> you just destroyed your own argument. The irony. Um, yeah. but it is fascinating. No, not necessarily because yes, except you can use a system to disprove the, the system. So you can use rationality to disprove rationality. I'm saying potentially you can, right. though for people who are interested, there's something called Lobb's theorem, which says that if you're extremely rational and you believe yourself to be rational, like infallibly rational, then you're automatically irrational. That's called Lobb's theorem or Loeb's theorem. I don't know how to pronounce that. It doesn't matter. So you can use a system to show the limits of a system. Gödel did that with some of formal systems. So you can use language to show the limits of language. And in some sense, that's what Eastern Cohens are doing. I believe they're called Cohens. And in some sense, that's what Donald Hoffman did with the theory of evolution is use the theory of evolution to undermine technically the theory of evolution, but technically much more than the theory of evolution to undermine everything in a sense. So you can use something to undermine it. Right, right. So he wasn't completely off his rocker when he told me that. No, <laughs> not necessarily. Not necessarily. I, like, I just don't see it as self-defeating. I mean, sorry. right. Yes, it is self-defeating, but that's just, we'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what, just kind of going back again to your, what sparked your interest in, um, in searching for. Hear that sound? 
That's the sweet sound of success with Shopify. Shopify is the all-encompassing commerce platform that's with you from the first flicker of an idea to the moment you realize you're running a global enterprise. Whether it's handcrafted jewelry or high-tech gadgets, Shopify supports you at every point of sale, both online and in person. They streamline the process with the internet's best converting checkout, making it 36% more effective than other leading platforms. There's also something called Shopify Magic, your AI-powered assistant that's like an all-star team member working tirelessly behind the scenes. What I find fascinating about Shopify is how it scales with your ambition. No matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Join the ranks of businesses in 175 countries that have made Shopify the backbone of their commerce. Shopify, by the way, powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States, including huge names like Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen. If you ever need help, their award-winning support is like having a mentor that's just a click away. Now, are you ready to start your own success story? Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theories, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theories now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash theories. Theories of everything and then Velton Schwung. Um, I'm fairly certain my pronunciation is horrible, so yours may be correct. <laughs> Mine's probably not correct. Like even way worse. Yeah, mine, mine may be <laughs> way worse uh, on an order of magnitude. What sort of um, what sort of background do you come from, like spiritually or philosophically, that you've appro- or that you began your approach into looking into theories of everything, and, and has that changed? I was an, a recalcitrant atheist who believed that I had all the answers and would try to disprove every spiritual claim, anything that looked remotely like Wu, including this topic, just excoriate and denigrate. Think of, I was Neil deGrasse Tyson. And now I'm in a place where I consider myself to be extremely naive. So I don't consider, some people say, look, you're so open-minded, man, I'm not open-minded. Firstly, you don't know how much derision there is in my own mind that I have to stop. And second, I would say that I am just, I am so cosmetic in all my knowledge. It's so depthless that I can't make a claim that I know that for me to say, yes, I know a certain fact would be false. And so I'm open-minded, quote unquote, not from being open-minded, not from any good, but from not knowing much. And so I don't know what's true or what's not true. So I'm like, oh, is that true? Is that true? Maybe that's true. For me to be close-minded would imply that I feel like I have an existing set of knowledge. <laughs> right, right. To give nothing, it's like there's no compare. There's nothing to compare it to. So that so that's obviously changed. I mean, that's a huge transformation, right? Going from being hyper certain about your atheistic beliefs to now being so open minded that uh, you really can't. So there is a comparison to be made, I guess, because you do have a past, uh, yeah. you know, cognitive radically- map. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm curious. Different. I mean, just being somebody who sort of knows the comedy world a little bit, have you ever spoken to Ricky Gervais? No. Uh, but have you heard him speak to his beliefs on atheism? I used to listen to Carl Pilkington and Ricky Gervais yeah. quite frequently. Love Carl Pilkington, man. Yeah, one of my favorite curmudgeons on the planet next to Jazz Shaw. Yeah. <laughs> and so I heard him speak about it, but I don't recall it. Okay. No, I was just wondering if you had any thought or if like if you could sit down with Ricky and sort of 
because how you I, I just find it wonderful how you came off of a, an atheist sort of viewpoint when you first started this and now you've you've come off of that it seems like uh yeah well my and and I'm yeah. wondering if you spoke with someone like that, like how, how do you think the conversation would go? I want to know how he knows there's no God. Mm. That's it. How do you know? Mm. And for something that what he means, what people who are atheists mean is what they've done is they've taken, like I said, the Westboro Baptist church or the straw man of what Catholicism is or a straw mm. man of religion. Let's say some extremely influential person abstracted to being to a being who has created this world in the same manner that we create walls and phones. And then that doesn't seem likely. So God is unlikely. Then they would say, well, what do you mean by God? Well, what do you mean by God? And why do you think <laughs> that, that captures yeah. God? Right. Yeah. It's not That's, like, yeah. Uh, by the way, Kierkegaard said, you can't have a Christian, I'm not saying I'm a Christian, but a Christian, and you can apply this to whichever belief. Faith is important. So you actually can't know whether or not there's a God in order for you to be a true Christian because you have to jump and not know whether that's there. If you say, I know there's a God, then you're not a true Christian. Because you have to right. jump and say, I don't know, but I'm going to believe anyway. Right, because it's well, a matter of faith. Yeah, well, I was, I mean, I'm more, I, I mean, I'm more of an agnostic, but I think the way, one of the beautiful things I thought Ricky explained sort of his belief system was, well, you know, what happens after you die? Where do you go? And he's like, well, it's probably the same place uh, that you were before you were born. You don't remember what was going on before you were born. It was black. It was nothing. You you didn't exist. And then you come into life. And then I think the exact same thing happens when you pass. You go right back to that spot. And I was like, oh, God, I agree with that. And I hate it uh, because I feel like, for me, at least anyway, God is in the details of the things that you do um for me what do you mean by you know that? in in other words like how you live your life the little things um how you you know just the everyday being your 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 decisions that you make um the the choices you make uh so they, let me put on my ricky hat yeah ricky, and, <laughs> go for it okay so then ricky may say well why are you calling that god why not just those are the actions you take why are you um, synonymizing actions with god or beliefs well, it's like it's like the idea of of I love the saying there's no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole, because I believe when you're staring death in the face, I don't care who you are. I think you're going to start praying to something. And I think that's just an innate human thing that you automatically go to. And so, you know, when I say in the details, I mean, like even the little things, how you wash the dishes, how you, you know, there's God in that there, there is God in every single movement that you make and whether it's not so much that I believe it's something that controls me as opposed to something that I'm living. Mm, um, ah, great, great. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that would be my answer to that. Yeah. God as a process rather than a noun. Or, sorry, God, right. rather than a thing, God as a process. Right. Now, what I would say to Ricky about that is that he said it's like what you were like before you were born. So, firstly, I would say, so let's say you're a scientist. Okay, let's say you're a, you consider yourself to be a rationalist, that is. Then what evidence is there that there's any other consciousness except your own? Okay, so then I would be interested to hear his answer to that. He would just have to make appeals to it's like so-and-so. Yeah, but you're assuming what you're trying to prove. Okay, right. so then you technically should be a solipsist if you're a true rationalist. Descartes is like, I think, therefore I am, not you. It doesn't have anything to do with you. <laughs> right. 
Right. Okay, so now you have solipsism. Okay, so now that you have solipsism, you have no evidence of what it's like. You have no evidence that death occurs because you have no evidence that there are conscious consciousnesses outside of your own that have ceased because nothing else, you can't ascribe consciousness to it. So you can't even say that there exists something that died. So you don't even know the, of what it means to die. You don't have a concept of death, of the ceasing of your consciousness. That's what I would say to him. Hmm. Yeah, you, you ever heard of the idea of a quantum immortality, which is kind of like that. You know, maybe we do live forever. We just don't realize it, right? Yeah, yeah. I have a, if I could do a quick plug, I have a podcast Jeez. on that with this lady, Mathuna, who has a channel on physics called Looking Glass Universe. They're quick, short animations of physics. And I did an interview with her on that. She doesn't like quantum immortality, though I don't see how if one believes in the many worlds interpretation, which she does, at least she likes it and she finds it to, to be the most plausible, how one can't believe in quantum immortality. Though, as I see it, say this right now, I forgot the argument of how it goes. So, so I don't remember exactly how one goes from many worlds to quantum immortality. Oh, well, I think argument. it's kind of like, you know, many worlds, there's, you know, at every point where you could die, there'd be a branch of a many yes, world yeah, where you yeah. don't die and one where you where you do die. Yeah. Presumably, maybe adventure. we're just living on that trail that you continue to live right. on. Yeah. It, it reminds me, you brought up, um, you brought up uh, religion earlier, or, or actually Lou brought up Gervais and atheism. And, and, and you were you were making the idea or you're constructing the idea that in a in a religion, um, people automatically go, oh, well, I don't believe in God because I don't believe in a man in the sky. And your religion teaches that God is a man in the sky. And we were actually just discussing this the other day in one of the logical fallacies that we brought up. It's called the fallacy fallacy. And it's assuming you are correct in your interpretation because something within a particular argument is false. And so now you've deemed that entire argument false just because there's a, a, a fallacy in that argument. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I love this shit. <laughs> <laughs> what do you thoughts? Thank you for accommodating for the one hour earlier. My oh, person. yeah. Hey, no, the beautiful no, thing don't. about this show is we're not CNN or ABC, man. You know, we yeah, can, well, you we have can... many people to coordinate this with, and I appreciate Ooh. that all of you said yes, unless you yeah. all live in the same place. No, we don't. We don't. No, I'm in California. The Kristen and Mike are in Florida. Rather's in Washington. Uh, but well, thank you, know. you for hosting I, me and thank you for, for switching it up at the last moment. Yeah, no problem. At yeah, all thanks, for, thanks for being for here this, talking to us. For yeah. this conversation, anything. I was <laughs> <laughs> like four in the morning. No problem. Yeah. I, anytime, man. I've got to ask you about this because our sh this show is called the Singularity Lab, and you know we're it's very much about futurism. It's very much about you know breaking tech and and this sort of thing. But we're also fascinated by consciousness and 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 all of these sorts of topics. But one of the things that I wanted to ask you about is: Have you done any thinking about the technological singularity or this idea of a technological singularity, where life is transformed uh, in a way that is completely unpredictable? by technological growth. Do you, do you see this as a real possibility or do you think it's um, sort of fashioned out of, uh, you know, theoretical futurism and just kind of a, a fun idea? It seems like we're already at the stage where life is unpredictable because of our technology and life was unpredictable before. And by the way, so the, did we talk about Meta? Yes, I'm leaving Facebook, right. We talked right, about yes, Meta, <laughs> yes. Okay, okay. <laughs> Well, are you referring oh, right, to the, the meta? Because that, that's where he wants to go. He wants to go. He wants to move us towards the metaverse. 
Zuckerberg. Are you referring to the simulation hypothesis? Um, no, well, so, so no, but I am interested in your take on the simulation hypothesis as well, but I was more asking, um, about the technological singularity, if you think that is a, a something we should actually be considering in, um, you know, kind of like transhumanism. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I see. Yeah. 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 When I was younger, I was obsessed with the singularity. Oh, were you? Yeah. I loved Ray Kurzweil. I still do. I just, I just don't research him, but I would love to speak with the man. I, if I yeah, he's still alive. I think he's like 75 or something. Well, he Hear that sound? That's the sweet sound of success with Shopify. Shopify is the all-encompassing commerce platform that's with you from the first flicker of an idea to the moment you realize you're running a global enterprise. Whether it's handcrafted jewelry or high-tech gadgets, Shopify supports you at every point of sale, both online and in person. They streamline the process with the internet's best converting checkout, making it 36% more effective than other leading platforms. There's also something called Shopify Magic, your AI-powered assistant that's like an all-star team member working tirelessly behind the scenes. What I find fascinating about Shopify is how it scales with your ambition. No matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Join the ranks of businesses in 175 countries that have made Shopify the backbone of their commerce. Shopify, by the way, powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States, including huge names like Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen. If you ever need help, their award-winning support is like having a mentor that's just a click away. Now, are you ready to start your own success story? Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theories, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theories now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash theories. It's to live till the singularity. What do you think of his argument? So th there's two... I'm not sure if we disembroil these two, that there's mind uploading and then there's that there's the singularity. So usually those are intertwined. Mm. I'm unsure if you're referring to mind uploading at all. So are you? Or um, I'm, I'm, I wasn't necessarily, but I'm, I'm also curious about your thoughts. Okay. So I don't have many thoughts on mind uploading other than it's not to me obvious that it's possible just because it would have to be much more complicated than you mimic each neuron. It has right. to be much, much more complicated. So first of all, there's not just neurons, there's glial cells. There's not just transmitters, there's modulators. And there's also not just some neural bioelectricity, there's non-neural bioelectric signals, which were just discovered. And they have, not just discovered, sorry, they're just coming to prominence. So I have an interview with someone named Michael Levin on that. You can use non-neural bioelectric signals in the body. So like voltage gradients, you can look at someone. I'll give an example. If you look at a cell, sorry, not a cell, a planaria. So a flatworm, you look at a flatworm and then... A flatworm you can cut, apparently you can cut into 200 pieces and it will survive and just multiply. It'll right. grow a new head and a tail. So the question is, if they look the same exact molecularly, almost atom for atom, it's technically not true, but almost atom for atom, they're the same, these two pieces. How does it know where to put a head and where to put the tail? Sorry, it doesn't matter if you have two pieces. How does it know which one is the head and which one's the tail? Right. It's been a mystery for a while. Turns out if you look at it, not with the microscope, but with voltage with a dye that shows you the voltage you can see there's a there's a voltage gradient so let's say it's more red here and more blue here signaling it has higher voltage here than here compared to here then where it's higher voltage the head will grow and the tail will grow so then he's he thought michael levin thought what if i manipulated that and put a high voltage here and a high voltage here so in the middle it's low voltage two heads grow 
Wow. Okay, then not only that, if you cut that, two heads will continue to grow. Okay, then there's, there's so much about this new field of non-neural bioelectric engineering that it's absolutely fascinating. So regeneration of limbs for humans is one potential. Cancer cells, so if you look at a, an organism, electrically, it's technically with voltage, but let's say electrically, before there's a cancerous cell, there's a spot, an isolated spot of aberrant voltage, let's say, so it looks green. But that's before there's been some cell degradation. And he thought, well, okay, so what if I took healthy cells and it created that same spot? He created cancer. Okay, what if I take a cancerous cell? I look at it with a gradient and I see that that's there. So what if I take a cancerous cell and I just reverse the gradient so it looks normal? No cancer develops. So there may be a way of detecting cancer early. I, all of this is to say for neurons, there's neural bioelectric activity. But then, and we thought that this was all there was for quite some time. Well, it seems like there's non-neural bioelectric activity and who knows what else there is. Maybe there's 10 other systems. So whatever it is, if for mind uploading, if it's just mimicking the brain, it doesn't seem like it's, it may not be that you can just mimic. I don't know. In other words, it's complicated. Right. But it's fascinating because this idea that you can manipulate these with these uh, other systems it's interesting because maybe you don't need a mind upload. Maybe maybe we could right, actually right. create immortality within our biological uh, selves. Yeah. Yeah. Rather, I thought well, you got something, well, or you just excited? Yeah, yeah, both, <laughs> both really. But uh, I mean, I, I've always kind of thought that too. When you talk about you know biological systems versus mechanical systems, but biological systems seem to be much more resilient, reliable, and just much more superior. So I kind of mm. wonder, you know, as we technology progresses, maybe bioengineering is going to kind of supplant the technology engineering. And tying this back into aliens, the topic of the show, maybe that's kind of what some of these things are, are advanced bioengineered things. And technology as we know it might be kind of a dead end. Uh, curious to yeah, hear what your thoughts asked, on that are. Hey, Kurt, do you think these craft are organisms themselves i don't know maybe i don't think so it doesn't seem like that to me but it could be yeah no it's interesting red panda koala wants to know after his dive into ufos uh what does kurt think uh is going on with ufos what are they why are they here any theories because you've you've is this a topic you've recently got into right it's not something you've been into for a while right no just the past few months or so i think about a year ago almost a year ago i interviewed jeremy corbell and that was because I spoke to a friend who said that there is something to this UFO topic. And I thought, well, let me look at the videos that he was sending me. Let me just give him the benefit of the doubt. And I mean, let me just, what's the word when you entertain someone? I think it's just entertain. Let me entertain them. Oh. Humor uh, them. Let me humor them. Humor them. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right. Let me humor them. So I watched that. And then I was thinking, wow, there's probably something here. Or not probably. There seems to be something here. Who knows? Then I thought, I'm a filmmaker. Let me interview Jeremy Corbell. And he said yes, somehow. And then I was, oh, that's interesting. So then I spoke to Kevin Knuth because he was into physics. And I'm extremely into physics. So I did that. And it just kept seeming like there's more and more to this. And it still seems like that this red panda koala, who, by the way, has a wonderful documentary on Tom DeLonge. I learned almost everything about Tom DeLonge from that. <laughs> He's asking, what do I think of UFOs? I make an analogy that it's much like I thought that I was looking at a painting and then what it was was someone started shuffling me through the, the Louvre and there's hmm. tens of thousands of paintings and someone's like, well, what did you think? And well, I don't know, man. I just see some patterns. I can't, <laughs> I can't recall a single image. I can, I, I saw recognize paint. the rectangular generally. 
<laughs> but but it's such and it's like oh by the way that was just one art gallery there are many so it's like i just started on the rabbit hole and what i've already started on is immense so i can't i don't have my thoughts put together yeah i mean i i'm i'm i get I, sometimes i get heat because i'm so agnostic uh about this issue because i just i mean i don't know and then yeah. you know people who are like well i'm experienced or i know and i'm like i hear you and i respect you but i don't know yeah. <laughs> like yeah that's it, okay, right? I, it tends to be okay. And I'm not purposefully being equivocal for some reason to pretend that I'm open-minded. I just don't know. Like I mentioned, I'm a fool in so many respects. I do think that if I was to take a rock and throw it at a UFO, provided the UFO would allow it, that it would make a sound. It would hit it. So I think it's something physical. I don't think it's lens flares. <laughs> I don't think it... Right. Right. Because obviously there's so many, you know... And, and, and also, what do you think about, oh, God, lady. I know you got, you got to go, don't you? Uh, <laughs> all right. Let me, let me ask you, what do you think about like, um, what do you think about what people are capable of, of under, like, I'm trying to formulate this question. So it's, we live in a world where it's nearly impossible to know the truth about anything, right? Because you have, you know, you, you have deep fakes, you have, um, so many, so much bias in, in every form of media. Um, do you think that's a pro like, do you think that's a problem? Like we're facing an existential crisis in humanity because, you know, even in our historical past, even if we were wrong, we could, we could still all at least believe the same things or be on the same page. Even do you think there's a sort of existential crisis happening with humanity in that nobody trusts anything or anyone it's a great question i don't know <laughs> i don't think that the the mistrust would be because of deep fakes because it doesn't sound like there's any political discourse where the primary question is is this video real or not except when it comes to the ufo topic and even when it comes to the ufo topic it's not like you need to go as far as deep fakes in order to fake a video you could have done that five years ago with after effects Right. Or with some like a string and some object and just shoot it from far away. We do seem more and more mistrustful. Yeah. It's going but in a weird direction, man, for another show. I don't know. Um, I can stay I, up for another 15 minutes if that's all right. That's fantastic. All right. So we'll get back to Alex Garcia's question because he's going to be mad if we don't ask it. Um, sure. I can't I can't I can't get back to it because I already passed it in the in the thing. But the question was, I can look it up in the show. What do you think of reincarnation? There are sh children that remember past lives. Yeah, I don't know what to make of that. Uh, no, there you go, Alex. I, oh, wait, oh, so how do you. Rem OK, well, I would just want to know how do you validate that? That's it. Right. Well, yeah. Are you, are you, have you looked into it? Like, I know Leslie Kane no. uh, published a book with, you know, documented a bunch of cases, which are, is interesting, but maybe, yeah, I don't know. I have no. mixed feelings on I, it. <laughs> I, I will be looking into near death experiences and reincarnation in mid to Q2, Q2 to Q3 of 2022. Okay. I love that you have that schedule. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's mentally noted. I have Dean Radin confirmed if you know who dean radin is but i i haven't booked the date so dean radin studies near death experiences awesome yeah if you needed another reason to subscribe to your channel there's there's another <laughs> yes make sure you go to toe and subscribe right now um naive essence says for uh 499 donation do you believe the discovery of life in the universe via jwst or perseverance will open up the possibility to the scientific community of uap visiting 
if there is life. No, because see, the tricky part is that when there's such a small amount of data, you can use it to justify almost any stance. So I can mm. use the fact that we have life on some other planet as evidence that life isn't visiting us because we have another data point that suggests that life isn't visiting us and yet life exists. So it's evidence of the opposite. One can say that. That's why I don't particularly like when people say, I just follow the evidence. No, you don't. It's actually extremely difficult to just follow the evidence. And also if you did, you'd be able to act because you'd have to consciously, it doesn't matter. That's well, no, that's that. a really good point. And this is what we talk about. That's why I bring up cognitive bias and logical fallacy all the time, because you, uh, your brain has to process data in a way that leaves out evidence intentionally so you can literally take actions throughout the day. If you didn't have cognitive bias or logical fallacy, you wouldn't be able to fucking get out of bed. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to <laughs> perceive. Right. Um, G. West says, in Kurt's interview with Elizondo, Luis mentioned that alien artifacts could possibly be on the moon. Does Kirk think that is an Easter egg? I think it may be a breadcrumb. <laughs> Not Easter egg breadcrumb. <laughs> uh, John Music asks, as Mr. Milburn and many others said, disclosure and UAP tech probably too dangerous to let out. So what's our backup plan if the government decides to completely shut down the disclosure movement? What would be next? Oof. Y'all are coming with some rough questions to say. That's hard. <laughs> what, who do you think we are? <laughs> Well, who do you think Kurt is? Kurt's the guy who's got to answer these questions. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where to begin. I don't know. Well, I, I guess kind of a follow-up to you. Do you think that uh, information is going to come through the government? Or do you think that maybe, you know, the scientific things like the Galileo project might be where we could potentially get answers? I think it'll be the government. That's my hunch. Mm, really? I thought I might, I might have thought you to be a scientific, uh, you think more of like an Avi Loeb or somebody might, might I, get well, as far as I know, they're looking for technological signatures. That's quite far away. It's not as if they're watching our skies and it seems like the government, I, I believe they I are though. Avi is Avi's looking okay, for you on earth now. That. Yeah. I should send you, you'd love, you'd love Avi. He'd be a great interview for theory. Yeah, I, I spoke to him. And he oh, was you excoriated did? because he said, I asked him about Bob Lazar and he didn't like Bob Lazar or didn't like Bob Lazar's claims. He was saying, yeah, if Bob Lazar actually knew how to make a UFO, he should build a UFO. Well, Bob Lazar never said he knew how to make a UFO. He just said he doesn't know how it works at all. And then people were saying, Avi, how are you complaining that people aren't taking you seriously? And then you do the same to Bob Lazar, which mm. was true. I didn't say that in the interview. <laughs> Luckily, many comments said that for me. <laughs> <laughs> Right no, it, it, I mean, he does. He kind of does paint himself in a corner sometimes with this because I also asked him, I was like, you know, the whole reason why the Galileo project exists is because of the information that the Navy and, and, and Pentagon and our yeah. government released. That's why he started it. And so then he, he starts the project and then turns around and says, yeah, we're, we're not relying on the government for information. Hmm. Wait a second. You're telling me if they come out with more data that you can use in your equations or in your math or in your 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 theories you're not going to listen to it because mm. it's coming from the government it's is he vaccinated i, I want to know is he, <laughs> is he vaccinated? where did that information come from oh my goodness um well, you know, yeah yeah Ab kind of also dismisses you know ideas of well he doesn't really dismiss but he doesn't really um think that it's a credible theory of things like Alcubierre drives and warp drives, which I think are kind of on that weird fringe of scientifically uh, possible, but 
still a long shot. Uh, kind of wonder what where you stand on that. Yeah, I don't know. So there are certain solutions to what are called the Einstein equations. When people talk about general relativity, they're referring to the Einstein equations. Well, Einstein equations are part of general relativity. And as far as I know, in order to have some faster than light travel or wormholes and so on, one needs negative mass. So I haven't looked into it much. Mm. And the elusive negative energy and mass. It's mm -hmm. maybe. Um, as far I as did. I know, I could be completely wrong about that. I like that. I, one thing I, I've, I've, I've uh, sent you and and I saw when you talked to Ross Coulthard and that, that was an awesome conversation. You you guys got to this political part of the discussion where you asked what what is the best thing that someone can do to try and get mm. some more information and it was to politically activate themselves to write their mm. local and state senator to contact uh, their representatives and and politely demand because you are a taxpayer, you have a right to ask for this stuff. And so I wanted to just, you know, let you know that, I mean, that's what we've done. We, we've done, uh, right. you know, I, I know you didn't have, you thought that there wasn't a place for you in our, in our last event, you know, cause you were confused. Well, what would I be doing there? And it's just like, it's your presence. Like this, when I say this community, I mean the, the UFO community is um, they latch on to folks like you because it gives them a feeling of legitimacy. Like this, this really smart, intelligent person is giving us some validation and, and, and we want to make sure that, Hey, we really like you. Um, and, and, to elevate this discussion past that community is sort of my goal into getting uh -huh. everyday people to, to, to call their local state congressmen. So we've, we've provided templates, we've provided things that they can print out and send that have been written by some of the best researchers and investigators in the field. And, uh, and, and we actively try to get, especially the people who are curious on this topic to reach out, and and activate themselves and and call and write and tweet um what do you feel about that do you think that's a good idea or is that a waste of time i wouldn't say that i my whole way of life is completely decided in on your hands if this is a bad answer i may go in the garage and turn on the uh turn on the car <laughs> I, I firstly wouldn't say that, that I help legitimize it. That's a wonderful compliment. I don't know if I do. And as for writing, what I'm wondering, so I have a channel called Toe Clippings, which are the clips of the larger toe channel. It's great. And then name. I just registered Pinky Toe, but I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> I, was thinking, I just registered it just because why not? It's like a bit playing with the words, right? And I thought, why not do live streams there? So if I do live streams, like just some not professional live streams, forget about the lights in the back and just do it without even announcing. If I'm going to do that, then perhaps I'll have you on and then we can just live write some people and tweet and so on. Yeah, that's essentially that's what don't we hold did me to that for, piece. No, no, no. I'm not going to hold you to it, but what I'll, I, I won't hold you to anything. I'll just politely request. <laughs> that's, that's essentially what we did for eight hours for three days straight is we talked okay. to the, well, well, no, 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 no. <laughs> but what i mean okay i just you know, he just ran for the door no it, we we had guests come on every hour and talk to us so we had like Whoa. lou elizondo we had um you know uh um uh i just said I his name it, yeah. ross Danny coulthart Chan. 
Danny Sheehan, all of the people who 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 people look to in, in this in this conversation for for a um an intelligent viewpoint for for just to to talk about the subject as we're asking people to activate themselves, we're tweeting at senators live to see if we could get them to come on and talk to us about the topic. Which we did get one which to come we on. We did get one. Dope. You know, Tim Burchett out of Tennessee. Um, we you know we, we're doing it live because obviously this is the future. Like this idea of interacting with your fans and motivating people and starting literal movements through YouTube. Um, and, and like, cause when I do an interview with Lou Elizondo, six, 700 people are in there. You do a Louis interview with Lou Elizondo. There's seven, eight, 12,000 people in there live. And that's a, that's a much bigger sphere than what I can provide. So the read, the whole purpose of getting all of these intelligent people to come on the same day and, 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 um, motivate their, their fans and their followings to say, Hey, look, I know this sounds silly. I know this is sounds crazy, but this is important. There's something there. And we as taxpayers have the right to get some more information. And, you know, when these voices come together, people get interested. It, it's it's it, it is a movement. I mean, you know, this is for, Lou's long way of asking if you'll be on the next big yeah, phone home. Essentially, you know, come come <laughs> hang out with us for an hour or so and 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 try and motivate folks to at least if you if you feel that's a valid pursuit you know if you in your gut are like yeah that sounds great then go for it if you i don't want to be pressuring anybody in anything i want you to actually do you know want to do it but again you've just gone through the louvre in a split second and there's more information you need so i'm willing to wait <laughs> and and let you take your time to go through all the galleries and and sort of come to a determination on whether or not this is valid you hold Lou's life in your hands you all are <laughs> These pauses are absolutely killing me. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm absolutely kidding. No, no, no. I know you, you're, no, you're, you're calculating that, it. I'm just thinking it's it's so interesting to see the different methods and the different viewpoints on this. That's what you expressed. I don't share. It's That's not fair. that I don't want to do it. No, 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 Lou. Hey, don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> don't go to the ground. No. Don't worry. Look, look, man. As what I mean is that my mind doesn't think like yours. Yeah. My mind, my mind thinks more in terms of questions. And questions about what's fundamental. The idea to get on a panel and to write wouldn't occur to me. I'm not saying it's not beneficial. I'm not saying no either. Yeah. I'm just saying it's so when you're speaking, all I'm doing is is analyzing the different ways that one can analyze this issue. And I'm seeing how mine, how yours is different than mine. And I just found that interesting because they never I never noticed that in real time. So I'm not saying no. This is a non-answer. Just saying. No. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why. And look, look. We. I love this topic, right? But especially since I've started the channel and Michael and, and and we've gone through these events and we've done these things and we've had great times. And it's a gathering. It's almost like a music festival. Uh, it's almost like Live Aid, right? Like we're doing this for a cause. We're bringing in all of these cool names and all of these cool people to talk about a topic that's a little weird, but at the same time, hopefully, motivate folks to actually take a step in and not only requesting stuff from their senators and local congressmen, but you could take this formula and apply it to whatever you feel is important to you. Um, you know, civil rights movement, uh, black lives matter, the border crisis, you could take this formula and, and, and contact your reps with it. Just sub the topic UFOs for black lives matter and boom, you're an activist. Um, it's just showing people how to engage the government, their their government, because I think that's an important thing that people have lost the art of doing, 
And uh, my particular, you know, passion to contact the government is this topic. But if you're to, if your passion is anything, you could again use the formula. And so that's sort of the idea behind it. Um, but with that said, you know, like if this turns out tomorrow to be military tech and very explainable, mundane, down to earth things. I'm okay with that. I'm not going to, like, my life doesn't end. I'm an actor. I live out here in Los Angeles. There's other things we could do. And even if it does turn out to be U.S. tech, holy cow, that's still really interesting to talk about and dive into and, and try to figure out, oh, my God, how did humans get to this? What, what's the process? There's there's a lot to unpack there. Um, but, uh, but e- you know, either way, I guess that's how I feel about it. Lou, send me the email again, if you don't mind. If I Not at all. said no before or I didn't respond, I apologize. No, no, I, I think so it was, I, th- I, no, I know you do. <laughs> and I think it was kind of what you just did now, where you're just like, let me postulate this, you know, like, I, 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 okay. I don't know. Like, I understand how you could say to yourself, yeah, I don't know how I fit in this. I, and that's cool. And it's less that I'm thinking about my role. I don't think about my role at all. I don't, to even say that to me sounds presumptuous that I may <laughs> even have a role. I, I just think in terms of, I like mysteries and right. I'm trying to solve a puzzle and I like playing with ideas. And that's my, it's just interesting to me to see someone else's, to see how someone else thinks. I found that extremely interesting. I always wow. find it interesting how Luis thinks. Yeah, <laughs> I know, it's, it's bizarre. Yeah, it's, it's out there. Let me tell you. Um, Kurt, you've been such a gentleman with your time. Thank you so much. I know you, I know you got to get out of here and I know you have some sleep to get. So hopefully I can you, get some sleep. I, I don't know if you know, but I have sad lamps here. So it's seasonal affective disorder. Not that oh, I really? have that. It's just they're bright. So they're great for the podcast. And so anytime, that's one of the reasons if anyone is watching. Sorry to cut you off, Michael. I oh, no, no, go ahead. Explain this quickly. Yeah, yeah. If I seemed extremely eccentrically silly and at a loss for words, it's because I got so little sleep and I was so frustrated. I think I emailed you. I don't know if I angrily emailed you or what. I didn't mean to be, but I was frustrated at myself. So absolutely frustrated that I couldn't sleep. So it's so horrible. It's a horrible, horrible feeling, man, to be so agile. And what I took was CBD oil, plenty of it. I took melatonin, magnesium, and B6 all hours before I was supposed to be, supposed to sleep in order to ensure that I could rest for today. Three podcasts I had today. I had to wow. cancel one of them. The other one's the worst podcast I've ever done, I'm sure. But anyway, <laughs> I wanted to make sure that when I end, I end somewhat early because these keep me up. Right. Mm. Yeah. Right. Well, can you please tell people, again, thank you so much. And it wasn't an angry email, and I didn't take any offense to it. I was yeah, like, dude. Well, I'm get- sorry if I expressed frustration. It was frustration at myself. No, yeah, not at all. Um, what you should do is put on Ross Coldhart's audiobook of uh, In Plain Sight <laughs> yeah, and just yeah. go to the go to sleep with that melodic yeah, ringing endorsement, heart thrum, <laughs> you know, in your ear. It's it's delicious to fall asleep to. Um, yeah. Kurt, where where can people find you if they want to check out your podcast? Um, so if people are interested in learning more about what I've talked about, which is theoretical physics consciousness, free will, and God. And the, by the way, I mentioned this in one hour from now, there's an AMA with myself premiering. So you can watch that live. Sorry, not live. It's premiering. There's a difference on YouTube. Right. At the Theories of Everything channel. So just type in Theories of Everything, and I believe you'll find something that looks like the Reese's Pieces logo. That's what people say. Click on that, and you'll find some of the videos that I reference. And we've got uh, we've also got Kurt's link to uh, his theories of everything um, YouTube channel in the description below, so you can just click that and uh, you can find him right away. 
Kurt, what a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I really enjoyed it. And uh, people in the people were commenting. They're like, I think uh, Kristen's going to lose Michael to Kurt the way he's smiling over there. So we really <laughs> appreciated you joining us today. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you, Rather. <laughs> Is that how you pronounce yeah. it? Rather. Thank you, Thank Rather. You. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Louis. Thanks, brother. Thank All right. You, we'll Kurt. talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Wow. That guy's awesome. <laughs> That was great. I thought yeah, for I sure I, I was like listening to you guys, listening to him speak. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm not gonna get any questions in here. I think I'm good. Uh, <laughs> these these guys have all the great questions. This is wonderful, but uh, it was it was. I always find it <sighs> insanely intimidating when someone with that high of an IQ and is that smart. I mean, he's he really thinks about everything that he's about to say, um, and I, I'm in awe of that it, it's almost like a supercomputer. It's like wow what is this possible um, like, hold please computing yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I know. I and, and it. it's and the in the equation that he comes out with every time is like wow that's wonderful <laughs> you know it's wonderful yeah the yeah. Uh, thoughtful intelligent measured responses it's uh the complete opposite of us <laughs> Absolutely, complete opposite. It's no wonder why he has a hundred thousand followers, and between me and Michael, we've got about seven. <laughs> I mean, that's insane. It's so, it's so cool, man. And, and it's no wonder why he's got the following that he has, and why people love to hear him speak. I'm sure he's super hard on himself. I'd love to see his scripts because I'm sure they're not as bad as he thinks. Um, mm. And I bet if he wanted to write a script today and get into a couple executives' offices, he probably could. Um, it wouldn't be a problem for him because he's he's got the bona fides, man. And you never know where stuff leads. Like when I launched my first podcast in 2014 uh, called Kick-Ass Dad, uh, that was like – I was horrified. And I was terrified to do that, but I did it. And then it something happened from that, and then that led me to – um, try to figure out how to, uh, you know, start my own business online. And then I learned Facebook advertising. And here I am, you know, 10 years later or eight, seven years later with a, a market, you know, a boutique marketing agency that I run out of my home and I get to do fun stuff like this at night. And it's like, and who knows who else like, and uh, you know, and now I can text Avi Loeb and say, hello, you know, it's like, you, you don't know or, what's or, or down there. Or Mungo to join your stupid call-a-thon. <laughs> I was like, Lou, this is a really long pitch, bro. Like, I was going to text you. I was about to text you. I was like, dude, get to the fucking point. Yeah. And it really seemed like he was just thinking of a diplomatic way to say no. It's okay to say no. But, you know, I was like, how do you, I, I guess I need to come up with an elevator pitch for the big phone home. What can I say? <laughs> right you need the 15 second version i need the 15 second version uh but yeah i mean again but he, 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 i'm sure he, you know he doesn't mean this and it's probably crazy for him to even hear but it, it's intimidating talking to someone like, like sometimes I do, i'm like oh man how am i gonna articulate myself where this makes sense and this is probably why i've never actually sold a mill a film or a movie ever in my life because <laughs> i can't get the pitch right the podcast is now finished if you'd like to support conversations like this, then do consider going to patreon.com slash C-U-R-T-J-A-I-M-U-N-G-A-L. That is Kurt Jaimungal. It's support from the patrons and from the sponsors that allow me to do this full time. Every dollar helps tremendously. Thank you.